At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome. To the New York City cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. A Wednesday show for you. Jason Weingarten of the Wide World of Weingarten Podcast, professional MLB better, will join us. Talk some baseball. I think he's got some football bets. So looking forward to talking to Jason. Well, obviously, we'll talk about the Durant stuff as surprise, surprise, he's staying. Uh, hopefully, you listen to the show and grab some of the good numbers. But we start with the baseball as both teams are off today, a rare off day, a, an off day the Mets really need after playing. 27 games in 26 days actually playing pretty well going 18 and 9 lost a few here after uh playing pretty well in philadelphia they lose two in new york let's take it from the yankees perspective and i think the betting aspect of this you can forget the division for the al east got dicey i think on saturday once cole lost but once you win three in a row you start to pair off these games and they get the next seven against oakland anaheim you'll get this down to 30 games left and still have a seven eight game lead the math just becomes nearly impossible so the yankees are going to win the division Wish I could be as confident about the Mets. Look, I still think they're in good shape. Minus 335 at Bet Rivers to win the NL East. Braves plus 260. But it is down to two. And depending upon when you listen to this, Braves play an afternoon game in Pittsburgh where they just continue to bury the Pirates. My guess would be the Braves win. They are minus 235 favorites. Kyle Wright going for Atlanta. It'll be down to one and a half. Now, look, you'd rather be up two than down two, but you got a race here. The thing that's going for you here if you're the Mets, and we'll get to the Yankees aspect. Uh, of this in a minute as the the Yankees you know get back on track they still have plenty of issues in terms of their bullpen they're going to need Holmes back they're, they're really piecing together the end of the game here with you know Schmidt Marinaccio it's not the usual suspect so need to get Holmes back and get him back to being Holmes Britain's 
throwing a rehab game. We'll see if he can contribute. He hasn't been great for the Yankees when he has been healthy. So not sure how much you can count on from him. But the Yankees still have their issues, but they're going to win the division. The, the issue here is the Mets. The big story here is the Mets. And they did clear this part of the schedule. The 9 versus Atlanta, the 4 versus Philly in Philly, the 2 versus the Yankees. They've got three games against the Dodgers next week. And if you've noticed, the Dodgers are, uh, are pretty good, 83 and 35, just in a ridiculous record here, something like that. The Dodgers have a 20-game lead in the NLS. But other than that, here is the Mets' schedule. And this is sort of the saving grace. Four at home versus the Rockies this weekend. If you can get three out of four. Again, you got the three with the Dodgers. But after that, it is very favorable. You get the Nationals at home in New York on Labor Day weekend. After that, you have a stretch where you got the Pirates for three. And then you play the Pirates again at City Field for four in a couple weeks. In between that, three with the Marlins, a bunch of games with the Cubs, a bunch of games with the A's. You finish the season with the Nationals. So it's not impossible here when you just run through the Mets schedule. It's not impossible. They give you like a 24 and 6, 24 and 7 month. I didn't count the number of games in September. It's not impossible. They go like 24 and 6, 24 and 7 in September. That is certainly on the table because their schedule is very favorable here. Once you clear the Dodgers games, if you want to include the Rockies in this stretch, the Rockies is an easy sort of four games here because they don't hit, they don't play well away from home. So you should be able to win three out of four. You'd like to sweep. Uh, but the way Atlanta's playing, and that's the story here. Atlanta's just so good. They're putting pressure on you. You could win three out of four of some of these stretches and lose ground. I mean, Atlanta, think about this. They won the World Series last year. And then they get Acuna back, who coming into this year, I know he hasn't had a great year, but coming into this year, you would say, hey, he's one of the two or three best players in baseball. And they got these three rookies, Harris, Strider, both co-favorites rookie of the year. And then Vaughn Grissom has come up and given them some some life here. So they are just a really good organization. They just keep pumping out these rookies, these prospects. Very impressed with what Atlanta's done. But if you're the Mets here, you still got a chance with a very favorable schedule to win this division. Now, if you had no bets, if you had nothing in pocket, would you take a shot at Atlanta plus 260? That's a tempting number. That's a tempting number because uh, Atlanta's schedule is not difficult coming up in this stretch. They do have games coming down the road here against St. Louis, the Mariners, the Giants, so their schedule is tougher than the Mets, and the Mets have the two-game lead. So you're still in good shape if you're the Mets. You're not in great shape, I have to be honest. I thought once the Mets beat them four out of five in City Field a couple weeks ago, that was it. It was up to, what, six and a half, seven games. It was seven games in the loss column. Seven games in the loss column, middle of August. That's a 95, 90-something percent you know, win percentage. Usually that's a very safe lead. Now you could point to this year, that year. You know, This team blew a lead. Okay, you could think of a few examples of teams blowing seven games lead middle of August, but those are very few and far between when you think of how many years baseball has been played for. So Mets were in great shape. They're still in good shape. It's really no fault of their own. They've played fine. I mean, you would have liked to get the Scherzer-Hermann game Monday. Last night was sort of a toss-up game. Walker's been shaky. Walker, this is the second year in a row. Walker has not been good in the second half. Walker's just not that good of a pitcher. I don't think he'll see big innings, big spots here in the postseason. Going to Rodriguez. In big spots out of the bullpen, that's shaky. I thought at the time the Mets should have done more to address their bullpen. They didn't. So uh, we're in for a fight here. We're in for a fight. Braves get the Pirates today. Mets get the Rockies tomorrow. So it's going to come down to the wire. This isn't going to be a scenario where you're clinching in the middle of September. This might come down to the last week. might come down to the last weekend. I didn't think it would about a week or two ago. But losing three out of four, losing the DeGrom game to Freed. The DeGrom game, I think, could have put it away. Got it back up to six in the loss column. That was sort of a swing game. And maybe that would have put it at five. I think it would have. But that would have given you some breathing room where 
you could have pulled away. Now you lost that game. You lost three out of four in Atlanta. You don't play well here against the Yankees. And you're in a fight. So, look, the, the Mets haven't made the playoffs in seven years. Being in a pennant race, there's nothing wrong with it. There's no shame in, look, they're going to win 100 games. There's no shame in, hey, if you win 101 and somebody else wins 102, there's not that much you can do. I know once you get up this many games and you're minus 1,000 to win the division, you expect to win it. And I still expect the Mets to win it. But the Braves are really good. You got two of the five best teams, you know, in your division. It's just a tough break where if you're the, you're in the NL Central, you're going to win the, your division by 15, 20 games. If you're in the AL Central, you're going to win your division. A lot of these divisions, they would have win. They would win. They just happen to have one of the five best teams in their division. So tough break for the Mets in terms of that. Atlanta's playing really well. You got to figure at some point they cool down and lose two or three in a row. I don't think it's going to be against the Pirates. They've just been tremendous. They played great ever since leaving City Field and getting their lunch handed to them that weekend. They've won 13 out of 15, and uh, we set up for a pennant race. So that's the Mets story. This is going to be down to the wire. It's going to be fun. Scoreboard watching. Nothing like pennant race baseball. So Mets get a day off. Mets need a day off. Regroup. Get their pitching situated. Get to throw to Grom against the Rockies. Probably win that game and start to feel good about yourself. But we're in it for the long haul with the Mets. Like I mentioned, the Yankees, you can put to bed the idea of them losing the division. They'll get Stanton back. Thursday, they get seven with Oakland, with the Angels. Schedule gets a little easier. Their concern now is just getting their arms healthy and figuring out their bullpen and getting ready for the second week of October because the playoffs start a little later this year. I think October 10th, 11th is the first division series game. So they're going to be in there. They're going to get the bye. They're going to win the division. And then they're going to throw Cole in game one and just take their chances from there. So Yankees have put some breathing room between them and everybody else, winning three in a row. Again, winning all, all three of these by the same score of 4-2, to two, which you don't see very often. I mean, three games in a row to have uh, the same exact final score is very unusual. But the Yankees still have plenty of issues. I do think Cabrera has given them some life. You know, he plays good defense, plays different positions in the field. Cabrera does a good job here, uh, you know, putting a little life into this team. I thought they probably should have called him up a little sooner. Maybe put him at shortstop, get Kyron Falefe out of there. Get some youth in this team. So Florio goes down, which means Stanton's coming back. Britain working through a rehab game. We'll see what we get out of him. Efros on the IL. Holmes still on the IL. So just got to get some of these guys healthy. And with this lead now, you don't have to rush them back. You just want to win four or five on the West Coast, which is never easy. Even though these Oakland, the eight Angels, these teams aren't good. Yankees seem to always struggle out there. But you figure you can win four out of five because those two teams are really bad. And just be in good shape here to move forward. You finally got a good, good game out of Montas. You know, he's not the most pleasant guy to watch. He takes forever to pitch. You know, he throws a lot of pitches, but he threw a pretty good game last night. Torres made a bonehead play in the field. His line should have been better, Montas. But it was nice to see a good game out of him, especially with how well Montgomery's pitched. So the Yankees really aren't a story right here. Judge hits another homer. He's up to minus 815. He's going to win the MVP. We're getting to the point where if he got hurt right now, God forbid, he might win the MVP. He just has to stay healthy for another couple of weeks, and he is uh, he is going to be the MVP. So the Mets are the story. They are in for a race. Yankees take a deep sigh of relief. They've won three in a row. Maybe here they are back on track after just a dreadful spread of baseball. But to discuss all of this and more, coming up next, it is Jason Weingarten, professional MLB better. That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Kickoff football season with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. All season long, Bet Rivers is your go-to sportsbook for all football-related content. Check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app for the latest odds, unique promotions, player props, and more. Every week, Bet Rivers has unique football specials to help you win big. 
cheer on your favorite teams and back your favorite players with Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Must be 21 or older. Available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City cast Bet River Sportsbook, and he is back. The host of the Wide World of Weingarten podcast, MLB better, NFL better, celebrity. It is the great Jason Weingarten. Jason, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Uh, let's get right into it. Mets fans very nervous right now. The Braves have played great since the Mets won three out of four. The lead is cut to two. By the time people listen to this, it might be one and a half. Uh, who do you like here in the NL East? Would you take a shot at Atlanta at plus money? I think I still like the Mets. Um, you know, there's always that built-in them being the Mets and and worrying about them just doing something down the stretch and blowing it in some unforeseeable way. And it should be a good should be a good uh, you know good race all the way to the end. But I think the Mets take it. They they're too too good with the starting pitchers to not win this division. Yeah, and the schedule is pretty easy. They do have a game with the Dodgers here in the next week or so. They get four with Colorado, three with L.A. After L.A., it's really easy. It's like seven games with the Pirates. It's the Marlins, a couple series with the Nationals, the Cubs. So I think the schedule and the fact that they're up two games, which isn't doesn't sound like a lot, but you'd rather be up two than down two. I think the schedule and the lead is enough to, uh, to keep them on top of Atlanta. But again, I don't think it's going to be easy. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to take advantage of those games, the, the the ones you mentioned. If they do, they'll be they'll be fine. They'll, they'll win the division. Would you worry at all about Scherzer? I was saying a couple weeks ago, hey, maybe he's sleeper for Cy Young. He pitched great that game against Atlanta uh, that Saturday night a couple weeks ago. Since then, he hasn't missed as many bats. They've been barreling the ball on him. Some of the underlying stats with Scherzer are concerning. Only three strikeouts the other night against the Yankees. Any level of concern with a guy here who's in his late 30s and he's had injury issues in the past? Yeah, I mean, late season injury issues, too. Last year with the Dodgers, yep. um, the World Series run with uh, with the Nationals, he got scratched from, like, game six. It was a huge yep. deal. Um, so, yeah, obviously it's a concern, but he's Max Scherzer. You know, he'll tell you when it's when his body's not right, when his arm's not right. So I'd, I'd keep rolling with him until um, we get some serious <clears throat> underlying analytics that say he's he's washed. Not like we're talking Patrick Corbin here. No, no, not Jake. Not uh, who's the guy for uh, Dallas Keuchel? It's not Dallas Keuchel, but it is no, a little concerning. It is. It's a little concerning. Always concerning when a guy you know starts starts seeing starts missing less bats late in the season. Especially an older guy. Especially when you're counting on so much. Your your path to winning the title. You're not going to out hit the Dodgers. You need Degrom, Scherzer, and Diaz to be just lights out. If he's like pretty good, okay, B minus. It's probably not good enough. So you you just don't need him to be okay. You need him to be dominant. You do you do need to out hit the Dodgers. <clears throat> Can't be him with pitching. We saw the last two starts, Cy Young favorites, Al- Al- Alcantara and uh, Corbin Burns both both winding up up against Dodgers got rocked. You know if, if you think you're going to beat the Dodgers with pitching, guess again. We'll uh, we'll get to the awards here because you hit on something interesting with Alcantara. Do you think the Yankees are safe now? One three in a row. Uh, on Saturday, I think when, when Cole lost, people are starting to look at the schedule, count how many games left, boy, saying, boy, they could really blow this. You think the Yankees are in good shape now? I think they needed a little three-game uh, three win streak going on this West Coast trip. I think their next seven seven games are uh, Oakland and then Anaheim. I think yep. their next ten games are Oakland, Anaheim, and uh, Tampa Bay. So 
a nice, strong seven-game run here versus some also-ran opponents could uh, really right the ship. But at the same time, you know, uh, a bad West Coast trip, and we're we're back to Saturdays. You know, could they really blow this? So it's uh, they're not out of the woods yet, but they they do look. You know, I always say no no team is really as bad as they look when when they're at their worst. So um, they're probably past their extreme regression at this point. Yeah, I was saying on the open, the next seven games, like you mentioned, Oakland, the Angels, which those games are always tricky. The Yankees never seem to play well, but these teams are really bad this year. But if as long as you win four or five, you start to get down to where the math is. All right, you got 30 games left. You got a seven, eight game lead. The math is almost impossible. 30, a seven, seven, eight game lead with 30 to play is very hard to overcome. They also have the benefit their final three games are against the Rangers. So if there's any doubt, with three games left, they can go and beat up on a bad team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, awards. Judge has really separated as the AL MVP, Goldschmidt NL MVP. We got some defined favorites. Alcantara NL Cy Young, Verlander AL Cy Young. Any of those four won't win won't win their respective awards, you say? Um, at the moment, I'd say Alcantara. I'll, yeah. I mean, he... He got, he got hit pretty hard by the Dodgers. He's got to play the Dodgers again. Then he's got the Braves and the Phillies after that. So if he uh, <clears throat> if he's going to win, he's going to earn it. So you'd be looking – who would you be looking to grab as I pull up the odds here at Bet Rivers? Uh, and I think Cease probably gave away his chances of winning last night. Not a great start against the Orioles. After Alcantara, Gonsolin 6-1. Burns eleven to one, Freed sixteen to one, Rodon forty five to one, Scherzer forty five to one. Boy, if Scherzer just kept kept pitching well, I think there might have been a path for him. But he hasn't pitched well lately, like we talked about. Probably takes him out of it. Uh, Diaz down to seventy to one, Urias eighty to one, Strider hundred to one. Probably not winning this award. Anybody you're tempted to jump in on? Uh, Urias, I think he's uh, he's got a shot. I think uh, Max Freed's got a shot. I don't think Carlos Rodon does. Um, maybe if, if they were slightly better, he might. I think it's going to a pitcher. If it's not going to Alcantara, it's going to a pitcher on a, a playoff team. So that would lead me to believe it's going to be one of Burns, Freed, uh, Urias, or Gonsolin. And uh, I think, I think uh, Burns effectively eliminated himself last night getting rocked by the Dodgers. So... Um, I don't know. I'd focus on the two Dodger guys. I have uh, I have Gonsolin at 100 to one. Uh, I was early early on him. I got him early, like I think after his first or second start. I I requested him. I think even, but uh, you know, it's it's really just what it comes down to for me at the end of the season. The these last couple weeks, these last seven or eight starts, the Dodgers pitchers don't have to face the Dodgers lineup, and you know Burns and Alcantara already did and still do again would diaz i, I kind of compare diaz to a one-loss team in college football where he needs all the under, other undefeated teams to lose in this case the undefeated teams would be the starting pitchers to all pitch poorly like you mentioned burns alcantara gonsolin is that the path for diaz does he need all these starters to kind of fold or can he win it just by being great we should really do like a Gonsolin versus uh, Edwin Diaz stat line comparison just to see what it looks like between the two of them. In in the event that that Alcantara doesn't win and and Burns is is also not a winner, 
and it, it narrows the pool down to a, a couple other uh, contenders. I mean, I think Edwin Diaz, when you look at his numbers relative to other relief pitchers historically, you know, when we're talking about, you know, last 25 years, say, whatever, um, he's in the top, you know, 1%. Of relief pitchers, his strikeout rate is as high as anyone's ever done, you know, over 45, 50 innings. So sometimes I, I ask, I say, well, what else do you want the guy to do? You know, what what is he not doing? Is he not pitching enough days because the Mets are too too good because they're, they're winning too many games by too many runs? They don't need a closer. Is that his fault? You know, I mean, you can only strike out. You know, realistically, if you're striking out 55% of the guys you face, not like you can put be like, okay, my goal is to hit 65. You know, like a certain number, it's it's just going to be as high as it's going to realistically be. And what else do you want some of these guys to do? Like Edwin Diaz, what else do you want them to do? Let's just take away the betting for a second. Would you vote for Diaz? I would put him on my top three or top five for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not not necessarily saying he deserves a first place vote, but he absolutely deserves top five you know in, in the the two to five range at the moment yeah again to go back to uh, use another college football analogy it's almost like the defensive player for the heisman where uh people will give him a second or third like that's the best he could do almost it, but it the defensive player for the heisman has to win once every 25 years once every 30 years same thing with the relief pitcher i mean yeah. gotta win sometimes and if my, my thing with diaz is like i just said is what else you want him to if do not now want, when want to strike out more guys you want to throw harder it's just it's, you could only be so good. And he's had the six out saves when necessary. They brought him in for Atlanta a couple times to get six outs. So, yeah, I I'm totally with you. I had Tim Kirkshaw on yesterday. I asked him pretty much the same thing, and he pretty much said it would be very, very difficult for Diaz to win. Not impossible, but very difficult. He tends to to favor the starting pitcher. So, who knows? Yeah. It's one person's opinion, but it's – No, I, I listened to that that whole thing, so I wanted to hear what Kirkshaw said because he's, he, he's pretty, you know, tied into what's going on. Um. Sort of what you mentioned, the ball isn't in Diaz's court in terms of winning. He has to rely on other players to falter down the stretch for him to seriously push into contender. I'll ask you the same question I asked Kirkshin yesterday. Garrett Cole is a top blank pitcher in baseball right now. I'd say five to ten. I mean, I think you can always argue, you know, if, if I rank a guy fifth and you rank him tenth, I don't think there's necessarily much of a difference. Um, so if you said, oh, this guy's better and this guy's, you know, a little bit better. But uh, Cole's the guy, like, if you're if you're, you're saying who's getting the ball in game seven, it's going to be Cole. Like, there's there's no question in my mind. Is there any question? Like, would you, would you give the ball to somebody else if you're the Yankees manager? Oh, no. No. I mean, I... I... Trust Cortez to not blow up as much. Like, I never know what I'm getting with Cole. I could get eight shutout innings or I could get five in the first. And I've defended it more than most people. I think he gets – There's when you sign for this much in New York, people – like, we see this with Stanton, with A-Rod, where there's just ri ridiculous expectations where every time he gives up a home run, people are like, oh, he's overrated, he's overpaid. But he does have a few too many of these, like Seattle, where he gives up six in the first or five in the first, whatever it was. I think it was six. A little too much of that, a little too many home runs, but I still think he's really good. Yeah, um – I mean, I think you pay him all that money, he's he's going to be your guy. If you're not giving him the ball, then you you have to reevaluate how you how your decision making and free agent signing goes. 
he'll be on the mound for game one. I would put it this way. They paid him to be great, and he's been really good. He hasn't been great, but he's been really good. So if you want to nitpick in terms of the words there, he's been really good. He just hasn't been unbelievable. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, Judge, any chance he doesn't win the MVP barring an injury? I mean, the problem is that, you know, at, at this point, I think you, 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 you can't really say – that there's another sort of, you know, outside contender. Jordan Alvarez was there for a while, and he's he's not going to win. And Jose Ramirez, Vlad Jr. I kind of was thinking maybe Vlad Jr. could make a run if if the Blue Jays won the division, but none of those guys are seriously getting votes. The only the only contender is Otani, and he just hasn't done anything. Like like he he he's doing things. He had two triples, a couple home runs. But the the Angels just keep drifting lower and lower. Their you know their record is the worst it's been all season. The last the last couple games, um, he pitched. He didn't pitch great against uh, the Tigers this weekend. He he said he was sick or whatever. So you know there's still enough starts left down the stretch. Like Fotani has like 10, 12 strikeouts every start down the stretch. Finishes with 35 plus home runs. You know we're looking. We're looking at a guy who's going to have 35 home runs and over 200 strikeouts. He's arguably still year-over-year year pitching better than he was last year. And his his power numbers are down a little bit as a hitter. But um, it's hard to say he's playing worse this year than last year when he was the unanimous MVP. Um, if anything, his team around him has gotten significantly worse, top to bottom. You know, Trout's out. Every position has problems only thing only reliable thing is he has his own personal catcher this year but he gets no support he gets no protection in the lineup he's basically playing you know with a triple a team around him uh i think all these things especially the 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 record at the end of the season it's probably going to be too much to overcome at this point but all that said another bad week or another two bad weeks of the yankees losing could bring this number down a little bit because, I mean, the reality is, like, the Yankees aren't even a 500 team in August. The, the you know, Aaron Judge hitting home runs is nice, but they win when he hits home runs, they lose when he hits home runs. Um, he's a great player. I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but he's, you know, the, the, the idea that he deserves the MVP because he's on a winning team has basically been invalidated this last month. Yeah, and, and to reiterate what Kirk said yesterday, he said Otani will have a ton of support. Nobody does what he does, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of old school voters where winning matters, and he was one of those guys. So he kind of, uh, you know, confirmed what we kind of all think. Where look, Otani is certainly a uh, a viable candidate, but it's probably just going to going to be Judge here. Judge is probably going to be pretty hard to beat. Yeah, I mean, it's I I, I don't don't like it. It'd make my life better if uh, you know more people agreed with me here. But the home runs, you know, that that's what, what moves the needle and Judge is doing that and it'll really come down to, to if he keeps it up downstairs. If he hits if he if he slumps, you know, if he if he hits two fifty for the next month, you know, we can revisit the conversation and see what Otani's doing. But the 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 you know deserved front runner at this point is Judge and Otani's gonna have to run him down, not the other other way around like last year when Vlad was chasing Otani in the voting and stats. 
I want to get to NL MVP because that's a judge situation too, where Goldschmidt just continues to pull away. But before we get to that, what team do you think judges on next year? Mm, I don't know. Not the Yankees. Okay. I mean, the Yankees didn't seem to want to get a deal with them done before the season. They were willing to go to arbitration with him. It doesn't seem like they're all of a sudden going to, you know, give him what he wants. Although, you know, it would be very foolish to let a reigning MVP walk away from from your team like that. But, you know, we're going to have to wait and see. I don't think the Yankees are going to win the World Series still, so. If I were judge, I would, and I, I made this point yesterday, if I were judge, I'd be very concerned about signing with the Yankees because they haven't been aggressive. Look, they passed on Seager. Another one they passed on, it doesn't get a lot of credit because everyone likes Rizzo, but they had a chance to get Freddie Freeman. They settled for Rizzo. They had a chance to maybe trade for Soto. They trade for Ben Attendee. They had a chance to trade for Luis Castillo. They settled for Montas. You know, they passed on Machado. They passed on Harper. Passed on Corey Seager. If I'm judge, I want some assurances, some language in the contract where I get some opt-outs or maybe, hey, I, I don't want you using this contract against me where you sign me for a fortune and then use that as a reason you don't spend on anybody else. Yeah, I mean, that's that's always the... The issue with paying somebody too much is it, it, you know, there's only so much money to go around, but I think we see him on another team next year. Interesting. Uh, Goldschmidt, boy, he's really pulled. Not only has he played great, but the Cardinals have pulled away in the division. I was looking to fade him, looking for Riley, bets. I thought there was value on Alonzo. Uh, looks like all these bets are going to get blown up and Goldschmidt's going to win, huh? Yeah, you know, uh, basically going to be a wire-to-wire winner. He, uh, he started the year strong and hasn't really slumped. It's uh, He's one of those guys, like, when I was putting together stuff at the beginning of the season, I didn't really consider him. I, I you know, he's a guy to me that if he's going to beat me, he's going to beat me. You know, like, I'm 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 okay with him beating me. And that's what's going to happen. He's, he's going to win. Um, I don't see anybody really uh, tracking him down. I think Freddie Freeman... You know, his numbers are comparable, but not getting any love. What kind of what I don't understand is why the Dodgers have three MVP candidates on on a team that is dominating baseball and Aaron Judge gets all this consideration because of the home runs. You know, even when his team is under 500 in August, you know, Aaron Judge is just so good. He's the MVP. But in the NL, you got three players on a team that's, you know, on pace for 112 wins. And nothing. So I think these markets can be a little schizophrenic narrative-wise sometimes. And that's that's what I don't understand. And, and you can't can't ask for uniformity in these markets either. You can't say, well, you know, you have to be consistent in this one because the, this is the thinking in this one. Um, but, yeah, Goldschmidt's going to win. I don't think that's really up in the air very much right now. Again, all this is... Uh, contingent on these guys not not hitting 200 for the last 40 games, but I don't think we have to worry about that with Goldschmidt. Yeah, I think the problem with the Dodgers guys is they sort of cancel each other out. It's like when the Warriors had Steph Curry, Durant, Clay Thompson. It's like, well, some people think Durant's most valuable, some people think Curry's most valuable. So I think they might split votes where it's pretty clear that Judge is the best player on the Yankees. That's probably the thinking in terms of you know why they don't uh, why these guys don't get more love in terms of the MVP market. I think, just to go back to Judge real quick, and obviously the home runs are a big deal, I think Justin Verlander deserves MVP consideration. Um, he's been the best player, best pitcher at least, on the best team in the American League. And the best team in the American League is the Astros, not the Yankees. Um, <clears throat> I don't know why 
he's not getting any consideration when his you know his innings aren't as aren't as strong as they were in like 2013 when he won his first MVP as a pitcher. Pitched 250 innings that year, I think. He won't get close to that number. But just in terms of of the value per start per inning that Verlander's put up this year with the sub two ERA and everything, I, I think it's crazy that Verlander's not considered an MVP candidate. It's just sort of a example of of how narratives just kind of run away with things and don't consider what's actually going on the bigger picture yeah it's uh it's a good point by the time people listen to this it'll be late afternoon we got a bunch of early games do you have any bets for the games tonight i bet the royals royals plus 112 with singer on the mound otherwise today i saw there was like seven games with huge huge favorites and i just wasn't really interested in Picking through which dogs I think are going to have a chance to win today. It's just they threw most of those games out. Oh, I'm parlaying the Braves with Vanderbilt on the money line. Little little crossover, uh, cross sport money line parlay with the uh, Vanderbilt playing Hawaii Saturday in college football, and then the Braves. I just think the Braves are going to keep burying the Pirates. So, you know, it's uncomfortable laying a big number. Sometimes I just like to parlay these two teams together. I know the math of it. Some people say that's not the most ideal way to go, but. Look, sometimes these teams are going to win. You just you lay the price and figure out a way to squeeze it into something else. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Just, uh, you know, it sucks. I was doing that last week. I think it was uh, there was a Dodgers. Dodgers were favorites, and I liked <clears throat> I liked the Rams on the money line versus Houston on Friday night. And I didn't win either of them. So you're not going to win either of them. Might as well parlay yeah. them and not going to make a difference. I watched that whole Texan that whole Texans Rams game. Um, I think I messaged you after because somebody who was it the Texans scored a late touchdown or the Rams scored a late touchdown where they were losing the whole half and it's funny I was in Vegas that was my last night my family was asleep and I was pretty well behaved the whole trip but at, once they went to bed my last night I went down I was betting second half preseason totals I was playing slots I uh, s- sort of let my hair down but I actually watched that whole that whole Rams Texans game. I had uh, I had Rams money line. I had three three money lines this this last week. I had Rams, 49ers, and Steelers. And I had round robin them all. They were all dogs. Uh, 49ers and Steelers won on Saturday, but but Friday night, that late uh, that late Texans touchdown. It was after like a 40 yard pass interference penalty, um, yes. and it happened right in front of me too. Like literally, I could see the ref throwing the flag a late flag it was i was just gonna say because i actually played under 38 and a half and bought back it went down to 37 i, I had a middle if it landed on 37 i would have hit everything and I, I totally agree it was a late flag i thought we we're gonna get away with it i think it was the right call but it was totally a late flag i actually saw the, the the field judge like he didn't call anything he looked over at the side judge and the side judge threw a flag and was on my side i was in like the second row i could have yelled at him like if i had yelled something mean at the F, he would have heard it is how close I was to him when he was throwing that been flag. Working harder. And, and everyone around me, it's a preseason game, so no, absolutely nobody cares <laughs> except me. And like, I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to start losing my mind over a, a fourth quarter flag in a preseason game. But yeah, that was that was the difference. I think it, it was like a ten thousand dollar swing that weekend because of because of a preseason fourth quarter flag. And all you can do is laugh about it. Like, what are you gonna do? Like get upset over a preseason fourth quarter like, no, I just that's that's what happens those are the risks you take when you you parlay round robin preseason money lines 
Yeah, you made me feel a little bit better at least. And I've, I've had the same approach towards preseason. I haven't bet as much of it uh, this year just because I, I think I lost the first one or two that Friday night. And I've been doing well betting baseball. And once I lost one of those preseason games, I lost on like a fourth down Hail Mary by the Falcons. I was like, you know what? You never want to have that feeling as a better where you, you make a bet, you lose, and you say, what the hell did I just lose my money on? Yeah, but even, even worse feeling, for uh, at least I think for me, I had a blowout week one in uh, preseason at NFL. The, the first week. Second week was pretty good, too. But the worst thing is knowing that I've had my best week of the NFL season in August, and it's all downhill from here. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's pros and cons, but the worst thing is knowing that um, I've already had my best NFL weeks of the year, and, and we're not even into the regular season. What uh, Do you have any futures, awards, stuff like that for NFL yet? I just I just started in the last the last two weeks with the the preseason getting underway betting uh betting awards and picking off a couple numbers here and there so like I got George Pickens I, I got him early before before he was really started to take off and uh that was just an obvious one to me he dropped in the draft mostly because of character stuff not because of talent so I'm, I'm always looking for obviously the most the most talented guys and the guys who have uh, situation to to produce for offensive rookie of the year. So I, I got some pickings. I got this guy Robinson in uh, in yeah. Washington. It's a good. It's a good one. So that it's one a was wide actually open class. Yeah. so like pickings was my own work. I I decided oh I like this guy I'm gonna bet him. I did it before he started to really move. Uh, Robinson on the other hand, I can't really tell you anything about him. I just happened to see you know. Somebody tweet, oh, hey, he moved from 125 to 1 to 50 to 1. At, oh, so someone's betting him. I got to pick off some of this number, and I got some 125 to 1 before it moved or whatever. I think this year it's really weird because the wide receivers are so overpriced. You, you would never see a fourth-round wide receiver like Romeo Dobbs with a 10 to 1 offensive rookie of the year price. That's just that's unheard of. It's it's never happened before. So a lot of the the long shots I'm interested in, um, for example, what's that guy? I don't even know his name. The guy who returned a punt and a kick for the Cowboys, the, the U USFL MVP. Oh, I didn't see that. I know people were high on, I think the guy's name is Tolbert. Is that the guy or is no, somebody different? No, Jalen Tolbert. I got him at 50 to one after the draft. He's like 20 to one. He's like, now I don't even yeah. like that bad. I think, I think 50 to one is, is maybe, maybe reasonable. Um, the guy who's the USFL MVP undrafted out of TCU. Turpin. I forget his name, but I'll bet him at a huge number. I'm Cavante Turpin. Cavante Turpin, yeah, give me that guy at like two hundred to one or something. Because um, okay. there's no, there were no quarterbacks in the top fifteen picks this year. Usually, like you have a Justin Herbert or a Kyler Murray, somebody who was a top one or two or five pick. It's gonna be like a four to one, five to one favorite. You don't have one of those. You have Cody Pickett. Um, is that his name, Cody Pickett, or? Uh, it is not. I'm no, gonna, Cody. Why so am I blanking? I always call him Cody Pickett because Cody Pickett was the quarterback for West Kenny. West Virginia. So I get Cody. Okay. I call Derek Carr, David Carr. I, I do these things. Um, it's Kenny Pickett, not Cody Pickett, yes. but that just tells you where my my brain is, football wise. Yeah, it uh it, it came quickly here. And um yeah, I think you brought up a good guy with Robinson because Gibson, I guess Gibson, the starting running back for Washington, the commanders now, which is still gonna be weird to say. It is uh you know, he's had fumbling issues where now Robinson has a good chance to be the starter. 
and like you said, there's no quarterback. So a guy that's a starting running back on, and that's not a good team, but starting running back 125 to one. I mean, who knows? It, it could be a year where somebody weird wins it. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I know it doesn't happen often. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it makes me think of like Mike Anderson when, uh, when he was the offensive rookie of the year. It was a long time ago now. But uh, was he was he undrafted or was he a seventh round pick? I don't remember. He was late. Shanahan, the Broncos. He was with the Broncos, right? The Broncos had a, a long string of those guys after Terrell Davis, like with Terrell Davis, Orlando Gary, Mike Anderson, where they had a bunch of like no name late draft picks, undrafted running backs that were all good. So yeah, you're in the ballpark. But there's always there's always an undrafted running back that can make a, a huge jump. There's uh, Kyron Williams on the. On the Rams, I don't think he was undrafted. I think he was a late pick too. But uh, the the whole Rams running back situation is fairly up in the air. I'm I'm interested in him. I think Zamir White in uh, in uh, Las Vegas, the Ram and uh, the Raiders is is interesting. You know, it's it's just an just an uh, about getting opportunity. If some guy that we're not talking about is going to catch 70 passes or 60 passes. Could be Wandale Robinson. You know, could be be any one of these guys but i think I, up at the top of the board i'm looking to fade the the 10 to 1 guys and get me some some big numbers i, I think malik willis i bet him at 50 to 1 interesting yeah it's it's uh it's a weird year it's sort of wide open the mvp numbers are not that favorable i think what's happened with the mvp is lamar mahomes even rogers these guys were 30 to 1 75 80 to 1 they all won so they're really shrinking these numbers where everyone's 12 to 1, 15 to 1, 20 to 1. So, well, so a big thing with future markets in general is that when a big number hits, you know, and I, I've, I've used this example a bunch of times before, but like Jordan Alvarez was 200 to 1 for rookie of the year. When you lose a 200 to 1, you don't open yep. any 200 to 1s the next year. You know, they all become 100 to 1 or 80 to 1. And then you lose an 80 to 1 and they all become 50 to 1s. Yep. So, um, you're, you're absolutely on track with the uh, the NL MVP, especially because it gets more volume and it's it's gotten you know like Lamar Jackson, you're able to bet you know five thousand bucks on him and and really clean out a sports book and you know baseball futures. I I I've have some that you know I'm lucky to get thirty dollars, some I'm lucky to get five dollars, and some will take two thousand. So it's it's really hit or miss. But I think with the uh, the NFL futures, nobody wants to get hit, especially you don't want to take take a huge position on a hundred to one guy like Lamar Jackson or whatever early in the season. And then, you know, you're, you're stuck with that liability the entire time. So you've seen bookmakers get better at, at some of the futures numbers, but it, the trade-off is it's worse for us, the, the better. Yeah, for sure. And I think we mentioned the, uh, the Rams in 99 were 200, 300, something crazy to one where literally it gets people fired and say, Hey, we're, we're not going to post that kind of number anymore. But that's the thing is that it gets you and it gets me thinking every year, yeah. you know, who, who can do, is there any player like uh, Skylar Thompson, for example, is like 750 to one to win uh, offensive rookie of the year. He was quarterback. I think at Tulsa had some injuries. It was like a six round pick in, in Miami. Like, what would it take for Tua to get hurt in the first game or the second game and, you know, somebody to come in and, just, it could, it, 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 you know, people say, oh, that can't happen. And then I say, well, Kurt Warner happened. You know, it, it has happened. It just doesn't happen very often. Absolutely. Jason, you're the best. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch up here down the road. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Before we get you out of here, got to touch on the Durant stuff. Surprise, surprise, he's staying. 
told you all along, I didn't buy any of these trade proposals. None of them were even close. And if you noticed on Monday, all within an hour, Monday morning, all these trade proposals leaked and they were all just terrible, whether it was DeAndre Hunter and John Collins in a pick for the Hawks for Durant, which is just obviously not even close. Then you see the headline, well, the Grizzlies are interested. You read a little further. Well, they don't want to include John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., or Desmond Bain. Hey, we're, we're interested in Durant, but we can't give up Desmond Bain. Well, you're obviously not interested in Durant. And I think these trades, uh, and another one I think was Bridges and Picks for Durant, which obviously is nowhere close. I think these leaks, these rumors were leaked to show Durant, hey, these are the offers for you. There's nothing real. We're not trading you. You're not going anywhere. You're 33. You got four years left on a deal. We'll see at practice. So Durant, Marks, Nash, the owner, they all met. I guess it's uh, it's kumbaya for now, and it makes the Nets a really good team. They are now seven to one. Hopefully, you grab the fifty to one, forty to one, thirty to one. It was eighteen to one a week ago. Uh, obviously, the seven to one is not very bettable now. It's the same thing as last year, where they are a title short shot, sort of semi semi favorite here. The Celtics, the Bucks, the Warriors, all with the Nets right around the same price in that four to one to seven to one range. They're going to be a really good team. They're just not bettable at that price, and. I do think there's one bettable angle here. Nash is 30 to 1 at Bet Rivers to win coach of the year. The coach of the year is always a top two, top three seed. Thibodeau was the one exception because he took that ragtag Knicks team to a four seed and he won a close vote over Monty Williams. That was an exception. Usually, though, you're a top two or two, top two or three seed. Nash qualifies because if this team wins 56, 57 games, remember these awards, it's about stories, it's about narratives. There will be a narrative that Nash held them together. So I, I would look at Nash 30 to 1 coach of the year. Nets at 7 to 1 is not bettable. Look, they're going to be a really good team. I know they don't really resonate in New York. They're a constant story nationally, whether it's Durant, Kyrie, Harden, Ben Simmons. They are just made for some of these debate shows early in the morning, but locally they don't really resonate. But they'll be a good team. I mean, could they make a conference finals? I know they were disappointing last year. You have to worry about Durant. He never plays uh, in terms of injuries. Kyrie never plays for whatever reason. Simmons, we know his issues. But if this thing clicks, if it goes right, they I give them a puncher's chance against Milwaukee, against Boston. To me, there's no reason this team can't make like a conference semifinals. To me, Durant's still one of the two or three best players in the league. Probably would have called him the best player coming in the league last year. I put Giannis over him. He's right there with Curry. Top two, top three player in the league. Didn't play well against Boston, but he is still a great player. He's 33. You would think he'd be motivated here. He's not been... You know, it hasn't been a great offseason for him with with this whole trade request thing. Nobody's really on Durant's side anymore. Nobody's in his camp. Nobody really likes him at this moment. So this is maybe a, sort of a revenge season where he can go out and get to a finals, win a championship. He doesn't really get credit for the Warriors one. So maybe Durant can put together a big season. I think the Nets will be good. I think they need something out of Simmons for his defense. Kyrie, again, who knows? But there's potential for this team to be really good. However, that 7-1 is not bettable. Nash at 30-1, to coach of the year. Certainly is bettable, again, for the narrative that he held them together. He was almost fired. Redemption story. So that would be how I would play it here. Nash 30-1 to to win Coach of the Year. And I really think some of these other teams, we don't know what was offered, what was really available. If you're the Pelicans and you had a chance to get Durant for Brandon Ingram, if you're the Raptors and you had a chance to get Durant for Scotty Barnes, and if you said no if you're the Raptors, if you said no if you're the Pelicans, you're out of your damn mind because he's still Durant. This league is about championships. You win championships with superstars. Durant is a superstar. Barnes is a nice young player. Ingram's a nice young player. I know they're younger, but they are not Kevin Durant. I think those teams, if that was possible. Now, maybe the Nets would have said, you know what? Ingram's a good player, but we're not going to do that deal. 
and that wouldn't have been crazy if I'm the Nets. Uh, I think they played it smart here. But if that's if that's what really happened, if the Raptors had a chance for Durant, Pelicans, these teams, and they they came with these non-serious offers, they really missed an opportunity to get a great all-time great player. And I think it's a big mistake. But Durant stays with the Nets. They are now a short list title contender, and they will be in the mix if all things go well. Which look a lot can go wrong with that group, as we know. But Durant stays, so sort of take a victory lap there. Hopefully you got some of the better numbers, but that'll do it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Jason Weingarten. Don't forget to download, rate, review, and subscribe. We're almost up to 200 five-star reviews between Apple and Spotify, so keep it coming. Spread the show. Post it on Facebook, on Twitter, anything you can do to help spread the word. We appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you for listening. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.